Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliet Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. I am delighted to welcome Edward Short to the podcast today. Ed is a business consultant, a leader, a mentor. You were in the army. You co-founded Virtual Lancer, an app that connects veterans and supports mental health. You're a father to two boys and a husband to the most amazing gentle lady. thread that caught my eye when I was reading about you was the strategy and tactics, the projects and performance that runs throughout your career. Mm. And I particularly loved the phrase you use from PowerPoint to action and making a difference. I was really intrigued about your experience of team performance, in particular, how you've been able to get the best out of everyone, including introverts, quieter leaders, people who maybe take a step back in those big team spaces. Thank you very much indeed for having me. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, looking forward to the conversation. I mean, there's so much to unpack. I don't think we're going to squeeze it all in into this uh, episode. So t- tell us a bit more about your background, I guess, how you ended up in the army to then when you came out and, you know, the journey from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I come from a long line of military people. Um, both of my grandfathers were in the army. My father was uh, a career soldier as well. Um, and so I heard the stories that they had traveling the globe you know discovering new places and having an amazing life um a lot of sport was involved a lot of foreign um countries a lot of holidays to interesting places um and so actually when i went to university i studied psychology really interested in people motivation that kind of cultural aspect and i didn't want a job in the city um and that's all i really knew and so i kind of took the path of least resistance and went to join the army because I knew kind of what I would be required to do in terms of going to Sandhurst and becoming an officer and leading people and and that kind of piece and I suppose I probably should have read the newspapers a little bit more because as soon as I commissioned out of Sandhurst I was deployed to uh, to Iraq um, on my first uh, on my first operational tour within about what was it about 10 days so it's a bit I was like oh so out of the frying pan, straight into the fire. Um, but that started off my career in, in the military um, and I was very operational, really enjoyed it, went to all sorts of places, did five operational tours. Um, and it was when I met, and you mentioned my uh, my, my wife in, in the introduction, is when I met her, I kind of knew that she was the right person for me. And and I thought, right, I need to, I need to think about my life and what was going on. A couple of things didn't go right in the army for me, to be honest. Um, I didn't ma- manage to make it into um, uh, into an organisation that I was trying to get into, and so I was sort of reassessing everything. It was at that point that I, I decided, right, I needed to to change my career and to think about something else to do. That was when I, I jumped into into the world of world of business. And to be fair, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, so it was very much uh, back to the school of life, learn on the job. Um, and so I became a consultant, at one of the leading strategy firms. Um, that was uh, and a very intense period of my life um in fact I was probably away from home more often than when I was in the army which is slightly counterproductive um and then I I joined um one of the tech companies Amazon um as a sales and business development team leader um to go and be a bit more operational a bit more a bit more hands-on um and that kind of 
started off my well I say my sort of operational corporate career and, and particularly my sort of corporate leading teams and trying to figure out how to um, take some of the principles I'd learned in the army from leading teams and being successful through into into the corporate world. Were you, I mean, you said you, it almost sounds like you said you fell into these places. Were you conscious that the things you learned in the army, you know, your childhood, your your family, the strategy, tactics, the traveling, the people, were you conscious that that was then the theme going through as you stepped into the corporate world? That's a great question. And that's a good question because I can tell you, I can tell it two ways. I can say, yeah, absolutely. I knew exactly what I was doing <laughs> and it was all planned, but that that wasn't the case. At the time, I went through it kind of feeling my way, talking to other people, finding out, trying to figure out what resonated. And in hindsight, I realized there were a couple of threads that sort of ran through it. One is this idea of how do you help get the best out of people, like bringing together teams of disparate um, skill sets, different personality types, um, and help everybody thrive. Um, and that that really was sort of from my, you know, from my psychology background, really, that's the sort of the interest. Um, and then in the army, it was, you know, you, you can't pick your team, you can't just hire and fire people just like that. You, you, um, you join a troop as they were in my group and, and in, in my regiment. And you just got to try and figure out how to connect with everybody, how to help everyone succeed. No one wants to turn up to work and not be good at what they're doing. And it's just a question of giving them the right environment um, to do that. Um, and I had a real baptism of fire, to be honest, when I was in the military. Um, my first couple of years were pretty volatile. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but what was great about being in a family regiment was that a lot of people knew my dad and, and all the rest of it. And because of you know their respect for him, they were like, right, we want to help this guy also be successful. So I got a lot of really encouraging words of wisdom from lots of folk, um, which then you then want to pass on. Um, and so I kind of that that ability to sort of listen to other people with more experience but then also try and understand what other people are going through from various different areas and try and give them the tools um, was kind of what I fine-tuned I guess in the military. Two messages in there um, Mm. I heard one was that actually you can't always control the people that are coming in even if you interview them you're only interviewing them for a short space of time right so if they're arriving there for an intention and a purpose, that's the one almost like the, the guiding light, isn't it? And then it's your job to make sure that everyone works together. The, the, the other bit was that being open to listening to those around you who, and you don't have to, you know, take everything on board, but you can take the, the little gems of wisdom and test them out. And, you know, and it's okay to test them out. I think that's really important for people to know. And I think what what's really interesting there, and just hearing it reflected back to me, at the beginning, I wasn't open. Mm. I, I thought I knew best. I thought I knew what I was doing. And it was only when other people stepped in and said, no, you need to listen to what's going on, that yeah. you suddenly realise what you're missing. You know, and so one of the things we talked about when we were, we were first introduced was the fact that I'm, I'm an extrovert, not an introvert. Mm. And so I think it's really... Um, and I, I think the older I get, the more I'm becoming introverted or I'm adopting introverted characteristics because of the value. So that uh, ability to listen is something I didn't have, but I've had to develop because it was, you know, causing problems. Um, and now being able to step back and actually really understand what's going on um, and also what's not being said as well. I think 
And that's why, I mean, this last couple of years, I think has been a struggle for a lot of people because it's very hard to read body language when you're on Zoom and on Teams and all of that. And I'm a very expressive talker. I talk with my hands, my body language and all the rest of it. And, you know, if, if we're just doing a phone call, it's easier to understand in someone's tone of voice when you haven't got all of the rest of those cues. And I think all of that has been lost in the way that, that people communicate. But, um, you know, to bring it back to that point where, you know, at the very beginning of my career I was not very good at it but it's definitely something that I've had to really work on and think about as I've gone through these very different situations from the army into a consulting company where it's all about listening to your clients and really understanding what their problems are into running a sales team where sales teams run on high energy and motivation mm. and, and happiness and if the numbers aren't there then you know the stress and the pressure can cause people to behave in a certain way and um, and that has, has, has its outcome so you know how do you then connect with people um, so that they feel safe secure confident and able to do their job in the most effective way for them how do you connect with people wow <laughs> I think the way the way to best answer that is probably how I think I do and how other people tell me I do now, what, what I think of myself sometimes and what other people tell me are sometimes two different things, um, which, is, which, is quite, which is quite interesting of itself. I think what I do is I do think I listen um, and I extend trust and openness and transparency right from the very beginning. So I always like to get to know who a person is. I like to know a little bit of their backstory, their... Um, outside of work life so a little bit about their interests their passions their family um, I'm really interested in in just people and just helping people um, and so trying to establish that I think establishes a a, a much warmer relationship um, and then other people just tell me that I smile and laugh a lot and make really ridiculous jokes and put people at ease. So um, maybe maybe that's also a tactic that that I sometimes use. I play the fool a little bit sometimes. So I think uh, in all my conversations, and I recognise this from my younger self, is it's not a hesitancy, but being able to step into that. I've always said if you ask a question, it's a lot easier. That social piece is really important for people who may be feeling out place as a big team. And I wondered, as you were saying that, if that's you, how do you encourage then perhaps the quieter people in your team to do that? Yeah, another, another really good question. I think, I think the key is that people need to feel two things. Firstly, safe. Um, and the concept of psychological safety has got a lot more prevalence over the last sort of 10, 15 years, I guess. And I think there's some ways to try and establish psychological safety. And then the second is also to, to understand boundaries, how much people want to share, because not everyone wants to tell you their life story. And actually, that's not necessarily right either. So in terms of in terms of psychological safety, I think the way that that I've always um, and I haven't always got this right either. And I, mm. you know, it's mm. it's not something that I got wrong at the beginning of my career and then seem to get right now. Like I think it, I think it changes the whole time in every single situation. And it's really, I think this is the other thing is that, you know, if if you're in a really um, 
good strong place you're not under stress at work or something like that it's it's easier to take that step back and create the right environment if you're under pressure and and you're really stressed at work or something then it's easy to miss some of these things that you need to do that then puts pressure on on other people and i think i've psychological safety pieces is really just about making sure that people know that whatever they share is going to be between you so Mm. you know you're not going to ask someone a deeply personal question in front of all four five ten of the team you know it might be um over a cup of coffee um quietly somewhere off to the to the side and then just understanding um that 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 there is a boundary around it and then the second bit i think which is also useful is to reflect back so when someone shares something quite vulnerable or quite sort of close to them you you also want to share your own story so that you can show that it's not just a one-way um dialogue that actually everyone has their own challenges that they're facing constantly so i think that's for me sort of something that that i've always tried to try to sort of focus on how did the app come about as with all of these things it's always driven by a deeply personal story i had a a sort of a life-changing moment i would say we lost a very close member of my family and i took a step back from work and went what am i doing um and being at amazon selling stuff in the consumables category for a massive tech giant was not what i like had, had kind of wanted to envisage myself do it was a, it was a learning journey and so i took a step back and said actually what you know what what really matters um and in the course of trying to figure out what my journey was, I became an independent consultant and I was doing lots of projects for clients, doing transformation stuff, trying to sort of just earn some money. Um, and very sadly, I heard um, the news that two of my soldiers, or when I say my soldiers, soldiers who I'd served within the regiment, who I knew um, different levels of, of uh, intimacy, um, had really struggled when they left the army. Um, and... I knew that one of them was continuing to struggle. And then I got told um, that they had sort of um, decided to, to, to end their lives. Mm. And they died by suicide, two, two people within very quick succession. And people knew about it. People were trying to help. People were involved. The medical folk were involved and, and all of that kind of thing. And I sat there and just went, this is just ridiculous. Um, how is it that when you know that someone is struggling it still gets to the point where they feel so hopeless that they decide to, to, to end their lives. So I sat down with a couple of my buddies, my ex-military um, buddies in the pub, and we said, like, we're going to try and do something about it. And one of the challenges, I think, was that if you get somewhere, um, if you understand, or sorry, you know, if, you, if you find out that someone is really struggling at the end, um, you know, when it's really difficult, it's very hard to do anything about it and I'm certainly not qualified to do that mm. so I thought well actually why don't we try and find those little signs those little signals right at the very beginning and solve the problem when it's small um, and so because my own transition out of the military was pretty bumpy but it was ostensibly pretty good you know I was at Boston Consulting Group and I was at Amazon then I was doing some startups and it was good it was still very very difficult very challenging um, and it wasn't until I had this life event where I lost a family member uh, and just went oh this is really hard. I have my own mental health issues, but I reached out to people to try and help with varying degrees of success. And so it's like, actually, that's what we need to do. We need to figure out how to help people ask for help, to reach out to people. You know, you've got people that have got real challenges with 
admitting that they are struggling. Um, and when you think about soldiers being quite proud individuals and, and all this of it, then then it sort of um, it uh, doubles the impact. And the problem as well is that when you're leaving the military you also lose your network, you lose that support network, You're, you lose your sense of identity, um, you don't know how to talk about all of the stuff that you did in the military in a way that people outside would necessarily relate to or be able to understand how it would fit into a, into a job role. Um, and so you've got this real, this real challenge for people. And so the app that I built was to try and help people transition out of the military to reach out to networks, to create networks, to ask for help and to... Um, connect them to people who would offer those skill sets that mentorship into business or um, and, oh, and one of the biggest things that came out of it was this listening this ability just to just to pick up the phone and go do you know what I'm really struggling and I'm just going to listen and, and that piece you mentioned around kindness and empathy which I think is a really important piece to, to sort of mention is that you know I think people do have it whether you're introverted or extroverted I think just people who have those introverted characteristics and my wife is very much a a very quiet gentle introvert like their ability to listen and and, and really get to the heart of something without saying very much at all is is just incredible and I think that that's something that we could all we could all learn certainly through the app you know I just like well, okay how do we how do we tap into that a little bit more mm. And the app's available. We'll put, we'll put a link on the podcast to that. So oh yeah. Can... Well, it's uh, and this is this is the challenge. The, the the app is very much specific to my regiment. Mm. Um, we are rolling it out more broadly across the military. Right. Um, but if people would like to have a look, I'm I'm really happy to chat to people about what what it entails, and then we can maybe make something that is more specific for their particular situation. Because I think there are lots of use cases. For example, nurses, police doctors um you know paramedics etc all, all of those people who, mm. who who leave a service i think and go through that process it's it's pretty tricky for yeah thank you for sharing that really hit me quite hard because my my dad went through a similar yeah. situation and actually i mean he's fine now but we went through quite a difficult period when he exited the force no support what i i observed was that sudden disconnection from a life and community that he had since he was 16 years old and that was the biggest thing you know yes there were there were reasons around it the horrors he saw in Iraq and everything else mm. but uh, it was the disconnection I think that had the biggest impact on him so I think it's such a it's such a great app to have Thank you very much. And it's, I think the thing that you said there, which I think is, you know, and this is why I think mental health is becoming higher or going higher and higher on the agenda is it affects everyone, it affects the family, it affects your friends. Um, so it's not just something that is, you know, like a broken leg, you know, it's, um, and that's why I think it's really important because of the, the second and third order effects that it has. Yeah, yeah. How did he get through that what was the sort of if you reflect on it was, was there anything that sort of stands out these those are the things that that helped him pull through and now he's great and I think the the two big, biggest thing was we couldn't get the support we needed um for him mm. bad enough that was the feedback we had yeah. um but there was two things one is um as much as we didn't think we were, you know, being strong as a family and just being there if needed but the second thing is there was a turning point there was an in instance and he was really ill. It was a few weeks before I said to my mum, if anything happens, just call an ambulance. 
And there was a day mm-hmm. when um, she rang me and said, I've just called the paramedics. And it was the paramedic that saved his life. It was a response from him, a very, and it's the, the conversation where, and I wasn't there, but it was the short, sharp conversation that he would have experienced in the military. Very grateful to that paramedic. But it took another person in a similar occupation to turn that around. You know, sometimes it's not enough to have general people around who haven't lived that experience. Um, So, yeah, my hat's off to emergency services. Great story. Oh, well, that's uh, a good outcome. So back to introversion and quiet leadership has what you've learned from you know the teams and the people that have been quieter changed your approach to life and business 100 percent, yes <laughs> um and i was i was thinking about this in that i one of the th- one of the things i think that the teams suffer from um, is not really understanding all of the different personality types and capabilities they've got available to them. Um, and I looked around at other teams and tried to understand why they were doing better than my team or, you know, you know, and, and, and had a look. And I, and I think that the way that you lead teams is absolutely critical to success. And how do you bring everybody's um, best game to bear and I think the first thing um, and, and I've, I've heard this all over and I do a lot of talking in fact I talk, talk far too much is I try not to talk I always try and I say I use the word try because I fail regularly but I always try to listen and talk last in any meeting and I try certainly within team environments to encourage other people to speak and there are two things that i i've tried to do and sort of adapt the way that i I lead teams one is give people information ahead of time so they can digest it think about it and then come back and the second is to make sure that there are uh, rules sounds like too sort of strict a word but at least guidelines to within the team about making sure that everyone's um opinion is able to be heard and not being offended if I cut people off to say, oh, no, wait a minute, you're just about to interrupt someone X was about to speak. And I think that that point around interruption is really important. Me as an extrovert, I interrupt people constantly because it's just like, I like the, the, the back and the forth, the fast and the flow. And my wife actually even said to me as, as I was sort of chatting to her last night, um, so I hope she doesn't mind me showing this and I hope my mother doesn't <laughs> mind me showing this either, which is, you know, when I first met her and I was introducing her to my family, I mean, she wouldn't say very much. And when she did say anything, she kept being interrupted by my family because my family's just noisy and loud and like all over the place. Um, and so she found it very difficult. And so I had to sort of like have a little bit of a word to, to folks and just say, um, can we not interrupt? Can we not cut over? Can you just like bite your tongue? Because otherwise you just won't hear from her. And she's got so much amazing stuff to say and to contribute. And actually by interrupting, you know, maybe you're making her not feel like what she's got to say is even important or valued. And obviously me as a young guy with a new girlfriend, I was like, ah, you know, this, this, this is not right. Um, And that stuck, that sort of, that story stuck with me and I just thought actually do you know what that's also really important is that you've sometimes got to have difficult conversations with people um so that everybody can be heard and so how how do you do that as well 
And you're right what you said earlier, even I, I don't get it right all the time. We don't always get it right, right? Even as an introvert, and I'm acutely aware of quiet leadership and all of that, yeah. I sometimes still don't get it right because it takes over. Our focus takes over. You know, we want to move things forward. And, you know, it's, it's interesting just to pick up on that point. I think, why do we not get it right, even when we're, we are mindful of it and we know about it? And I think self-awareness is one thing, but I think it's also understanding how we operate under stress you know at the moment like jobs are very stressful we're going through very difficult economic times people are worried about their jobs and people's behavior and the way that they're going about their business is impacted um, by the environment by the stressful things so just knowing that you have a particular way of your behavior just adapting or changing due to stress and, and articulating that to the team and then getting other members of the team to articulate how they react under stress means that when you have those awkward situations where someone's overly talking because they're stressed and someone's not able to get a word in because they're quiet and therefore you know they're they're their typology would be that they become more quiet under stress or whatever, then you, you get people coming sort of further apart. Um, and so just being aware that that's what things like stress do is really important because you can counteract it. If you know what's going on, you can, you can do something to actively say, look, it's not, it's not people, it's just the situation. So let's make sure everybody is heard. Yeah, absolutely. And I was smiling because the conversation we had before we recorded this <laughs> sort of leans into that, doesn't it? We get caught in that busyness trap. I think I was saying to mm -hmm. you, have one thing, do one small thing that makes a difference. Uh, a couple of months ago, I started, we're trying to move house and there's lots of stress going on at the moment. So I started doing things like creating some stillness in my life. So even if it's just five minutes, just taking that pause and going right I'm going to do some writing I'm going to get it out or I'm just going to do some meditation or something something just to lower that busyness that we all have yeah. that starts in our head and then it creates in our body and then we go okay it's too much it's too much and do you know it's uh, really interesting I was reading and I think it's one of the most popular you know, management self-help books um Stephen Covey's seven habits of effective yes. leaders right yeah. and the very last habit is looking after yourself self-care and that, you know you've got to find a way to let your brain switch off and recover so you can deal with those periods of stress and so I mean I've, I'm just looking at my um my hang drum just over there looking at me longingly going you haven't played me for a little while and that's the sort of you know find that little thing that helps you just recover and recuperate so that when things do get stressful and that busyness that you mentioned that which mm -hmm. can take over your life you can just really prioritize your time and focus on um on the things that matter because then when you're in that positive frame and I think the reason I was thinking about this is that when you're in not that sort of positive frame of energy you know and, and positive energy you're able to spot these situations earlier and and stop the problem yeah. before it becomes big and then you know no one sits there and has that massive explosion um which is which is sometimes what happens in my household when i don't pick up the cues from my wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah she just needs to wave the drumsticks in front of you and... <laughs> Oh, she weighs a lot more in front of me than that. <laughs> <laughs> the bread knife. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I love that. I love that. So um, what's, what's your big mission? What's your dream for the future? What impact would you like to make? Oh, that's, an, that's, a, that's another podcast, all of it, all of its own, I think. <laughs> um, do you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I... 
and you described all the many different things I do right at the beginning of the podcast and I sort of thinking of myself as a portfolio careerist because I have many many sort of different interests but they all seem to be focusing and pointing um, at how do you help people flourish like what what is the way that people can go about and have their happy lives feel valued and contributed in society and so the way that I'm doing that at the moment um, is something and I think we all get driven by something that's really close to our own heart um, and so for me it's mental health it's like how do I destigmatize mental health eradicate suicide like I that's a big hairy scary goal someone laughed at me out loud when I said I'd like to have no suicide um, and they laughed I was like oh okay that's interesting why are you laughing like mm. what level of suicide is acceptable to you mm. And clearly the answer is zero. So my big hairy scary goal is is like eradicating that. And and I know that, that that's very unlikely to happen. But what it does is it keeps you honest to say actually there's more work to be done. You've got to constantly be thinking about new things. And there'll be there'll be new things, you know, when I've gone and all the rest of it. But so how do we how do we do that? Um and then the second area, I think my big sort of vision, um, and again, driven by mental health and my own experiences is this sort of stress and burnout in the workplace? How do we remove or, 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 or how we kinder, more empathetic to each other that we remove a lot of this stress and stuff that is, is unnecessary? Um, and I think there's some great stuff out there at the moment and I'm really starting to explore more of, um, of what is out there and where the gaps are um, in order that that people can also think about managing all of that so they can bring their whole self to work and be amazing at work and just enjoy it because then when they they're enjoying their work they come home and they're happy and they're positive at home and and so on so it's a really positive cycle um and i feel like we've we've lost that as a society a little bit not a little bit a lot a lot um and we think about like, our parents generation and their parents who actually you know fought in the, in the world wars and and the various different sort of hardships that they've come through it came through community and so if i were to use one thing to sort of tie it all together is how do we create kind empathetic loving communities again that's, that's out there to help people and i i was at a, um, a networking event the other night with um a guy whose brewery was struck by lightning um and his story is absolutely fascinating and what an awesome guy that's still going still doing what he's doing and he said yeah i could go and work in any brewery it was that's so it wasn't necessarily the brewing it was the community that he missed the most the people that he was working with who were trying to forge this sort of new path and they're creating the world's most sustainable brewery for example mm. and i just thought do you know what that's an excellent example of taking quite a stressful horrible situation and turning it to something good through the power of community yeah and um i think i i call it like putting the heart back into humans <laughs> yes. and you know someone who is so passionate about what they do and have done that irrespective of what come what's what's happened still going forward with that because that's what he believes in that's what he's passionate about and you know those threads of community or you know creating a space for people to come together that's it isn't it that's it that's beautiful I agree yeah um, top three tips for listeners you know whether it's bringing out the best of the whole team to create better performance or quiet leadership or introversion you know what what three tips would you like to leave 
So I think the first one, which is often cited around listening, but maybe the spin that I would put on it um, is know how to hold silence. Right. Give people the space to say what they want to say. And it's not just verbal, nonverbal as well. The body language. Try and really understand something. And, uh, you know, an example of this would be, you know, my current world sales versus tech developers. You know, sales teams are always on the phone, always talking, and developers need to get into their code. And if you interrupt them 45 minutes in, they might as well start all over again. So how do you set up your workplace that you can really get the best out of people when it comes to noise, silence versus noise? Because some people are really creative with noise and stuff as well. Um, my second tip, um, and maybe, I'd, yeah, I think this is, I don't know if this is introversion necessarily, but um, it'd be kind, um, you know, assume that people have got the best intentions and your perspective is, is never their perspective. You never know. I think you, you said it earlier, Julia, actually, you never know what someone's going through or what their story is. Um, and since, you know, since I lost a very close family member, um, you know, eight, eight years ago, you know, I just, and, and what we went through, and the fact I refused to talk about it at the time um, just gave me that insight that, you know, you never really know. And so just that kindness is so important. And people showed us a lot of kindness and it's just it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third tip is don't be afraid to use rules and structure to give everyone the opportunity to contribute. I think, you know, laying out and, you know, people call it ways of working or culture audits or whatever it is. But just, you know, being appreciative that there are very great differences between people. And that is really good and can be used positively if we all understand how to do it. And so those those rules and those structures is like, how do you get the best out of people? What what environments do they need? What how do we have to think about our own behavior in certain situations to to do that? And so I think guidelines, rules, structures, whatever you want to call it, is a is a good way to do it. Mm. Fabulous. Love those. Love those tips. Thank you so much, Ed. It's been an absolute joy to have you on today. Thank you so much. Appreciate oh, it's been it. a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And yeah, I think the conversation went in slightly different directions to where I was thinking it. But um, yeah, it's been it, it uh, happens like that, and I love that. I yeah. love the fluidity of these conversations. So yeah, Fair thank you for thank you for being open and sharing. Thank you for listening. I love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more. I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me.